Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. This week I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Emma Goodall, and not just because she has a fabulous name, but Dr. Emma has been working for quite some time on an area called interoceptive awareness. Um, It's widely considered to be the eighth sense and something that's only really being learned about now. But what's fascinating about interoceptive awareness, and I came across it initially, I think, when I was studying um, intuitive eating, but it's about how we are able to sense what's going on in our body. And we'll talk about it more in the podcast so you can get more of an understanding. But it's something that really everybody should be aware of because the impacts and benefits on our mental health by increasing and training ourselves to, which Emma shows very specific ways of doing, she's been working with um, the government departments in South Education Department in South Australia to implement this across all schools in South Australia. And we've got some really good um, links to her work, which will be in the handout notes as well. But I highly recommend listening to this. It's fascinating. There's so much connection between interceptive awareness, um, neurodiversity, problematic eating, um, not problematic eating, but disordered eating, um, And it's just, it's a really fascinating subject and something that we should all know about and perhaps be trying to train ourselves and help our children um, learn more about and understand a bit more. So over to myself and Emma. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, Come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barok. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people. Their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. So just welcoming, this is Dr Emma Goodall. um, We've only got 20 minutes to talk today, 
but um, I think that we'll be able to cover quite a lot. The reason I really wanted to invite Emma, and I'll, I'll ask her to introduce herself, because she'll do a much better job than I would, um, of what she does is she's really, she's a specialist. She's a researcher, she's an author, and she's an autistic um, woman at signed at birth. And um, she, actually Emma, before, do you identify as a she? I do, my pronouns are she, her. Perfect. So Emma's a she, her, I'm a she, her. Um, and I just, I, I, for me, interoceptive awareness has been something that I've been learning about as a neurodiverse woman. Um, and also with two um, autistic and um, ADHD children. Um, it's something most of the women that I work with really struggle with because a lot of the women that I work with around alcohol have at some point in their lives, um, you know, there's a lot of suppression that happens through the culture that we live in. Also, a lot of um, people who struggle with alcohol are often diagnosed or undiagnosed neurodiverse, or we've had trauma, and there's all sorts of reasons around that. And that's why I thought it was really, because it's a piece of work for me that I'm, it's a continuous journey of um, exploration um, that I'm on. But Emma has done this amazing work in this area and she can talk to us a little bit about what it is, why it's so important and how you can find um, her work and, and get more information about that. So Emma, over to you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm actually useless at introducing myself. Um, uh, I'm me, I'm autistic and um, interoception has been one of my passions for probably about um, six or seven years now. So I, I was the only person in the office for about a week um, over a Christmas New Year period um, and I had been asked to review uh, a book that was um, Kelly Marler's master's thesis made for lay people. Um, and I really was interested in the research within the book um, and the book was very much from an OT perspective it's not great if you're if you're an individual wanting to know about this but I went away and I, I dug up all the research and what I found was that interoception had been first research in the 1970s by psychiatrists around PTSD um, and then there was a lot of work done after the Vietnam War with PTSD veterans and and what has come out over over the kind of the intervening gosh 50 years now um is that interoceptive awareness so interoception is our our, our, our awareness of our internal body signals and our accurate interpretation of this internal body signals so our interoceptive awareness is decreased um when you have any mental health conditions so when we can improve our interoceptive awareness, and, and if, if you're thinking of, of drug and alcohol use, they, they are a mental health condition. So it's, it's your, your reality is altered, and part of that reality is the internal reality. Um, and so for those of us who are neurodivergent as well, I'm, I'm autistic and ADHD, um, my interoception is pretty bad. But I've been teaching it for about seven years now, so it's got a lot better. Um, but what they found was that the symptomology of any mental health condition decreases when you improve your interoceptive awareness. So when you're more connected to your internal body signals, what that means is that you're able to notice those internal body signals and over time interpret them more accurately and also 
this is the really interesting part. It's no good just noticing them and interpreting them. You have to know what to do about them. And part of the thing is, if you if you've never noticed them, why would you know what to do? So a key one we can think about is is temperature. So I still have virtually no interceptive awareness for temperature. So what that means is that I don't notice I'm I'm hot or cold until I'm extremely hot or extremely cold, sort of blue, um, blue hands and feet, um, like an icicle, and <laughs> When I was teaching interoception, I realized that we would, we would say to people, you know, you're sweating, but you're in a sweater, you, you know, you're hot, you need to take that off. But if you just said to them, are you hot, they'd say no, because they didn't feel hot, because they weren't getting that interoceptive signal. I thought, that well, I'm no different. I need to know what are the things to do if I notice something. So if I notice that I'm hot, I need to take some clothes off or put the aircon on or put a wet cold flannel on the back of my neck. Um, if I notice that I'm cold, I need to put my up boots on or I need to put the heating on or I need to put a sweater on or I need to have a hot drink or I need to have a hot shower. So the thing is that if, if you have altered interoceptive awareness, um, this can be just because you were born with intergenerational trauma because that actually impacts the interoceptive circuitry in your brain um, because when you experience trauma, whether it's intergenerational current, your brain is an amazing thing and it, and it dulls down that internal body signal awareness because you don't want to feel the pain of trauma. So it's a protective mechanism but it's kind of a crude one so it doesn't do it just for that trauma, it does it overall for everything. So this is where we get people who end up with broken bones and they're not aware that they've broken their bone or that they're extremely dehydrated and they're ending up with UTIs and kidney infections because they're not reading those internal body signals. Um, so what I discovered also was that at the heart of nearly all dysregulated behaviours, so if you're somebody that cannot control your behaviours helpfully, yeah. Part of that is nearly always the lack of introspective awareness. Yeah, cool. It's not a purposeful thing. Nobody gets out of bed and goes, you know, I'm going to beat somebody up today, or I'm going to yell at my spouse, or I'm going to be mean to my kid, or, you know, I'm going to forget to eat all day, but I'm going to drink a lot. People get out of bed with the best intentions. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I'm on a Fascinating, isn't it? We it, it, it just when you're saying that it just rings so true to everything that I'm experiencing in um, in as in my life as a as a human being and in um, just so much of you know what we're finding is really helpful for people with alcohol um, or people who are choosing to drink because you know they might have they might have a big feeling but aren't able to kind of identify what that feeling is or why they're disconnected from themselves you know there's there's so much there and I just think when you say that having interceptive awareness can improve all mental health um, experiences I think that's just really powerful yeah and, and I think one of the interesting things is that uncomfortable feelings are more pleasant so there are two reasons to drink effectively, to feel nothing yes. or to feel something. Yes. Now, if you feel something, 
perception is going to be a fairly easy journey for you. Yeah. So, because as you start to feel um, things, you can replace the need for alcohol with that feeling of things naturally. Whereas if you're drinking to not feel anything, your introspective awareness journey is going to be a little bit harder. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay because it's still in the long run going to be really good. So, um, yeah. if you if you Google ready to learn, there's yes. um, a PDF kit. Um, yes. Online and lots of different places. It's from the South Australian Education Department. So I wrote that with my team when I worked there. And that has also been made into animations if you're not a reader. Um, oh. and that is on the Student Wellbeing Hub. Again, free for anybody to access without um, introspection and self regulation. So basically, in order to develop our introspective awareness, what we do is we need to do mindful body awareness exercises. So this is noticing when you deliberately change your body somehow. So if I just hold my hand here, my hand's nice and relaxed, floppy. Um, I just think about how that feels for a little bit, and then I'll stretch it. This is my stretch. I have a very poor, pathetic stretch, but you can see it's actually stretching as far as I can. <laughs> yeah. Notice the difference between the relaxed and the stretch. So you yeah. hold each position for about 30 seconds. And then you'll think about, you know, where did I notice that? Now today I'm interested in, in my little finger, um, sort of along the edge. So then when you do, you always do an interception activity twice. The second time, when it's relaxed, I'm going to think, can I feel anything in my little finger? If not, I'm going to wiggle my little finger around until I feel something. Now I'm going to repeat the stretch. And if I can't feel my little finger, I'm going to wiggle that stretch until I feel my little finger. And then I'm going to hold it in that position and I'm going to really connect feeling my little finger. Okay? And then just relax again. That's it. So in doing it that second time, you almost always notice it far more. And yeah. that is your interoceptive awareness. Now the trick is if you have a body part that you know holds trauma for you, don't do it with that body part that's bad. Just do it with safe body parts. So you can do shoulders, you can do neck, you can do legs, you can do feet. You can even do things around temperature, so you can put um, a pen in the freezer at home and then hold a pen that's not in the freezer, hold the pen that's in the freezer. Feel the difference in your hand. So yeah. when, we, when we build up that interoceptive awareness, what's really interesting is we don't need to explicitly learn, oh, now I feel sad, now I feel angry. It seems that it just turns the circuit on. You can still get confused. You can still misinterpret one emotion for another, one feeling for another. But what you can always do whenever you're feeling uncomfortable with feelings is just do an introspective activity that you like. So it can be a muscle one, it can be a temperature one, it can be a breathing one. You do one that you really like and what it does is it neurologically calms you down. Yes, so the really that makes sense. Yeah, the really interesting thing about, about introspective awareness is that um, it relies on the mindfulness part of the brain, and the mindfulness part of the brain can only be activated when the, the parasympathetic yes. system is engaged, so when you are calm. Um, so in doing the activity, if you do it for long enough, for some people that's two minutes, for other people it can be 10 to 15 minutes, you will neurologically calm down. Yeah. So that gets you right back down, it biologically calms you down, you know, your heart is calm, your breathing system is calm, your muscular system is calm. 
And that in itself is a tool that many of us who are neurodivergent or who have intergenerational trauma or our own trauma or are struggling with alcohol, is that it's that not being calm that can drive dysregulated behaviours or the That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So if you have a strategy, one activity that you can do repeatedly, so for a long time mine was um, toe curling. I would sit and I curl my toes under so that the top of my foot squishes into my shoe. And it's really quite uncomfortable, but it really forces you to focus on how your toes and your feet feel. And then you relax your foot or you can curl them upwards. And if you do that, what it does is it also distracts you from everything that's going on around you. It centers you in your body part, which is safe to do because you pick the activity you're comfortable with. Yes. <coughs> neurologically, biologically, comes down. It's it's such a beautiful thing, and I'm so excited when people want to talk about it because for me, this is the key to so much progress of healing. Um, we know Van der Kolk talks about the body holds the score yes. of the trauma. This yes. is about releasing that trauma and getting in touch with your body in a very safe way. I love it. This is perfect. I can see how helpful this is going to be for people in my community um i'm absolutely amazing emma and emma the work that you've been doing you've got you've got some books haven't you do you want to i do to say what um, two kind of books on self-regulation and um, interoception one is more around children and then one is more for adults but in yes. all activities and it can be done by children as well okay. um those you can either ask your library to get, um, yes. or you can purchase if you really want to spend money. Um, but the the Ready to Learn kit is free um, online, and also the Student Wellbeing Hubs um, Interception and Self Regulation activities are also free. So I try to make as much of my work free as possible because yes. I think that everybody should have access to this. Um, we know that. You know that journey that you're all on is really difficult, and the easier that it can be made by other people, and also to know that this does take time. So it takes about eight to ten weeks for you to really notice a difference yes. in the way you're able to express yourself and interact with the world. The key is once you start feeling better, don't stop doing it because generational trauma you can be triggered again and you will lose all your interoceptive awareness. So build it into your routine. So for me, when I'm driving to work in the morning, that's when I do my, my interoceptive activities and my calm time, just to connect my body and be in a good space. And then if I'm um, being triggered, then I have some different interoception activities that I do. I very rarely do breathing ones. And breathing ones have the most research on them, yes. the belly breathing where you breathe it in very deeply and the belly comes out and then you breathe out very um, long out breath and your belly comes in. You do three of those and that's enough that evidence has to calm you down. Yeah. However, I find that if I'm in that panic state or really dysregulated state, I can't do a breathing activity. Yeah. But I can do I have to do a shoulder crunch sometimes because I hold a lot of my stress at the yeah. back and shoulder. That's really uncomfortable. 
But if you start really noticing where you feel that and then you just drop it down slowly and you can actually feel the tension release. And I think we get so used to being tense 100% of the time if we're struggling with life. So I hope that this is useful and honestly you don't need to buy my books. Um, just go out and get the free stuff. Um, you're more than welcome to if you want to. But, um, yeah, it's it's all really easy to use, and if you have a family, um, all the activities are suitable for all ages. So feel free when you're having your family time in the morning before getting kids out to school, stop for a minute, do some interaction. It'll calm you all down. It'll make that morning routine so much better. When you're coming home from school, do it just as you're coming in the house. Or if you're going somewhere else, do it in the car so that you, you have that calmer time. That's amazing. And so helpful because most of my clients have got, a few, a few don't, but most of my clients have got children. Most of them have got children who are sort of in their teens and often are discovering their own neurodivergence yeah. um, as part of this. And again, you know, that triggering of, you know, lots of different um, neurodivergent people in a household and highly sensitive and high sensory, you know, that those kind of tips are so helpful. You're welcome. I'm really sorry that I have to go. No um, worries. It was useful and, um, yeah, please do have a look at all the free stuff online. I will. I'll put it in this post. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us. I really appreciate you and oh, I appreciate welcome. all your work. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.